Hello. Thank you for tuning in to a new episode of Stories That Made Us. This week, we continue with the theme of Anishinaabe or Ojibwe stories. But whilst in the previous two episodes we spoke of the exploits of the great hero Nanabuzo, this episode brings to you three tales of the folklore of these great peoples. These stories have been compiled in the book titled The Indian Fairy Book from the Original Legends by Henry Schoolcraft. We have merely borrowed the titles from there. Details of the book are in the show notes. The first story is of the Sun Catcher. Set in an ancient time when animals lorded over mankind, this story is of how a little boy caught the sun in his snare, causing chaos and pandemonium until the Dormouse freed the great deity of fire. So then, let's begin with the tale of the Sun Catcher, or the boy who set a snare for the sun. At the time when the animals reigned in the earth, they had killed all but a little girl and her little brother, and these two were living in fear and seclusion. The boy was a perfect pygmy and never grew beyond the stature of a small infant. But the girl increased with her years, so that the labour of providing food and lodging devolved wholly on her. She went out daily to get wood for their lodge fire and took her little brother along so that no accident might happen to him, for he was too little to be left alone. A big bird might have flown away with him. She made him a bow and arrows and said to him one day, I will leave you behind where I have been chopping. You must hide yourself and you will soon see the snowbirds. Come and pick the worms out of the wood where I have been chopping, for this is winter. Shoot one of the snowbirds and bring it home. It shall be our food for the evening. He obeyed her and tried his best to kill one, but came home unsuccessful. She told him he must not despair but try again the next day. Accordingly, she left him at the place she got word and returned. Towards nightfall, she heard little footsteps on the snow, and he came in exulting and threw down one of the birds which he had killed. My sister, said he, I wish you to skin it and stretch the skin, and when I have killed more, I will have a coat made out of them. But what shall we do with the body? said she, for as yet men had not begun eating animal food, but lived on vegetables alone. Cut it in two, he answered, and season our pottage with one half of it at a time. She did so. The boy who was of a very small stature, continued his efforts and succeeded in killing ten birds, out of the skins of which his sister made him a little coat. Sister, he said one day, 
Are we alone in the world? Is there no man that lives anywhere? She told him that those they feared and those who had destroyed their relatives lived in a certain quarter of the earth and that he must by no means go in that direction. This, however, only served to inflame his curiosity and raised his ambition and he, soon after, took his bow and arrows and went in that forbidden direction. After walking a long time and meeting nothing, he became tired and lay down on a knoll where the sun had melted the snow. He fell fast asleep and while sleeping, the sun beat so hot upon him that it singed and ruined his birdskin coat so that when he awoke and stretched himself, he felt bound in the tight coat, as it were. He looked down and saw the damage done to his coat. He flew into a passionate rage and abraded the sun and vowed vengeance against the celestial deity. Do not think you are too high, said he. I shall revenge myself. On coming home, he related his disaster to his sister and lamented bitterly at the spoiling of his coat. He would not eat. He lay down as one that fasts and did not stir or move his position for ten days, though the sister tried all she could to arouse him. At the end of ten days, he turned over and then lay for ten days on the other side. Finally, when he got up, he told his sister to make him a snare, for he meant to catch the sun. She said she had nothing, but finally collected a piece of dried deer's sinew that her father had left, which she soon made into a string suitable for a noose. But the moment she showed it to her brother, he told her that it would not do and bid her to get something else. She said she had nothing, nothing at all. At last, she thought of her hair and pulling some of it out of her head, she made it into a string. But he instantly said it would not do and bid her pettishly and with authority to make him a strong noose. She told him again there was nothing to make it off and went out of the lodge, frustrated and dejected. After a while, when the sister had time enough to think, she said to herself, while she was all alone, From my body some sinews I will take. This she did, and twisting them into a tiny cord, she handed it to her brother. The moment he saw this curious braid, he was delighted. This will do, he said, and immediately put it into his mouth and began pulling it through his lips, and as fast as he drew it, it changed into a red metal cord, which he wound around his body and shoulders till he had a large quantity of it. He then prepared himself and set out a little after midnight that he might catch the sun before it rose. 
He fixed his snare on a spot just where the sun would strike the land as it rose above the earth. And sure enough, he caught the sun so that it was held fast in the cord and did not rise. The animals who ruled the earth were immediately put into a great commotion, for they had no light. They called a council to debate upon the matter and to appoint someone to go and cut the cord. For this was a very hazardous enterprise, as the rays of the sun would burn whoever came near to them. At last, the Dormouse undertook it. For at this time, the Dormouse was the largest of animals in the world. When it stood up, it looked like a mountain. When the animal got to the place where the sun was snared, its back began to burn and smoke with the intensity of the heat, and the top of its carcass was reduced to enormous heaps of ashes. It succeeded, however, in cutting the cord with its teeth and freeing the sun. But in doing so, it was reduced to a very small size and has remained ever so since. The next story is titled The Swing on the Rocks of Lake Superior. This Ojibwe tale is a story of love and of jealousy. There was an old hag of a woman living with her daughter and her son-in-law and a little orphan boy whom she was bringing up. When her son-in-law came home from hunting, it was his custom to bring his wife the moose's lip, the kidney of a bear, or some other choice bits of different animals. These she would cook crisp so as to make a sound with her teeth whilst eating them. This kind of attention of the hunter to his wife, however, excited the envy of the old woman. She wished to have the same luxuries as her daughter, and in order to get them, she finally resolved to make way with her son-in-law's wife. One day, she asked her daughter to leave her infant son to the care of the orphan boy and come out and swing with her. She took her to the shore of the Lake Superior, where there was a high range of rocks overhanging the water. Upon the top of this rock, she erected a swing. She then undressed and fastened a piece of leather around her body and commenced swinging, going over the precipice at every swing. She continued it but a short time when she told her daughter to do the same. The daughter obeyed. She undressed and tying the leather string as she was directed, she began swinging. When the swing had got in full motion and well a-going, so that it went clear beyond the precipice at every sweep, the old woman slyly cut the cords and let her daughter drop into the lake. She then put on her daughter's clothing and thus disguised went home in the dusk of the evening and counterfeited her appearance and duties. She found the child crying and gave it the breast. 
but the child would not draw. The orphan boy asked where its mother was, but the old woman answered, She is still swinging. He said, Shall I go and look for her? No, said the old woman, You must not. What should you go for? When the husband came in in the evening, he gave the coveted morsel to his supposed wife. He missed his mother-in-law, however, but said nothing. The old woman eagerly ate the dainty and tried to keep their child still. The husband looked rather astonished to see his wife studiously averting her face and asked her why the child cried so. But the old woman, hiding her face, answered that she did not know and that the child would not draw. In the meantime, the orphan boy went to the lake shores and found no one. He only found the remnants of the swing and the cut cord. The orphan boy came back and mentioned his suspicions to the son-in-law while the old woman was out getting wood. He told him all he had heard or seen. The man then painted his face black and placed his spear upside down in the earth and requested the great spirit to send lightning, thunder and rain in the hope that the body of his wife may arise from the water. He then began to fast and told the orphan boy to take the child and play on the lake shore. Now whilst the husband was fasting, we must now go back to the swing. For there, after the woman had plunged into the lake, she had found herself taken hold of by a water tiger, whose tail twisted itself around her body and drew her to the bottom. There, she found a fine lodge and all things ready for her reception. But she, however, was forced to become the wife of the water tiger. Meanwhile, back up in the banks of the lake, whilst the orphan boy and the young child were playing along the shore and the young boy was casting pebbles into the lake, he saw a gull coming from its centre and flying towards the shore. And when on the shore, the bird immediately assumed a human shape. When he looked again, he recognized his lost mother. She had a leather belt tied around her waist and another belt of white metal, which was, in reality, the tail of the white tiger, her now husband. She suckled the babe and then said to the orphan boy, Come here with him to the shore often. Whenever he cries, bring him here and I will nurse him. The orphan boy carried the child home and told these things to the father. When the child cried again, the father also went with the boy to the lake shore and hid himself in a clump of trees. Soon, the appearance of the gull was seen with a long shining belt or chain and as soon as it came to the shore, it assumed the mother's shape 
and she began to suckle the child. The husband had brought along his spear, and seeing the shiny chain, he boldly struck it and broke the links apart. He then took his wife and child home with the orphan boy. When they entered the lodge, the old woman looked up, but it was a look of despair, and she instantly dropped her head. A rustling was heard in the lodge, and the next moment the old woman leapt up and ran out of the lodge, and was never heard of ever again. The final story of the episode is that of the Mukaki Mindemoya, or the Toad Woman. This is a story of theft, of retribution, and of knowing that nothing good comes of dreadful deeds. Great good luck once happened to a young woman who was living all alone in the woods, with nobody near her but her little dog. For, to her surprise, from one day onward, she found fresh meat every morning at her door. She was very anxious to know who it was that supplied her, and watching one morning, very early, she saw a handsome young man deposit the meat. After his being was seen by her, he became her husband, and she had a son by him. One day, not long after this, the man did not return at evening, as usual from hunting. She waited till late at night, but all in vain. Next day, still not finding her husband by her side, she swung her baby to sleep in its cradle and then said to her dog, Take care of your brother whilst I am gone in search of my husband and when he cries, call for me. The cradle was made of the finest cloth, and all its bandages and decorations were of the same costly material. After a short time, the woman heard the cry of her faithful dog, and running home as fast as she could, she found her child gone, and the dog too. But on looking around, she saw pieces of the cloth of a child's cradle bit off by the dog, who strove, it seemed, to retain the child and prevent his being carried off by the old woman called Mukaki Mindemoya, or the Toad Woman. The mother followed the footsteps of the Toad Woman at full speed and occasionally came to lodges inhabited by other old women who told her at what time the thief had passed. They also gave her shoes, so that she might follow on hastily without cutting her feet. There were a number of these old women who seemed, as it were, all prophetesses. Each of them would say to her, that when she arrived in pursuit of her stolen child at the next lodge, she must set the toes of the moccasins they loaned her pointing homeward, and that by doing so, they would return of themselves. She would get new moccasins from her entertainers further on, 
who would also give her directions on how to proceed to recover her son. She thus followed in the pursuit, from valley to valley and stream to stream, for months and years. When at last she came to the lodge of the last of the friendly old grandmothers, who gave her the final instructions on how to proceed. She told her she was near the place where her son was, and directed her to build a lodge of cedar boughs near that of the toad woman's lodge, and to make a little bark dish and squeeze her milk into it. Then, she said, your dog will come and find you out. The mother did accordingly, and in a short time she heard her son, now grown, going out to hunt with his dog. She then set the dish as instructed by the old grandmothers and filled it with her milk. The dog soon scented it and came into the lodge. The child followed the dog soon after, and upon seeing her child, the mother placed the milk in front of him. See my child, said she, addressing him, this is the food you used to have from me, your mother. The dog then told his young master that this was his real mother, and informed him that the old woman, whom the child now called his mother, was not actually his real mother, that she had stolen him when he was an infant from his cradle, and that the dog himself had followed her in hopes of getting him back. The next day, the young man and his dog went on their hunting excursion, and brought back a great quantity of meat of all kinds. Upon arriving home, he said to his pretended mother, as he lay all the meat back down, send some to the stranger that has arrived lately. But the old hag that was toad woman answered, no, why should I send some meat to her? He insisted, however, and at last she had to consent to take something, throwing it at the door with the remark, my son gives you this meat, she chooses to feed you. But the toad woman said this in such an offensive manner that the mother threw the meat out immediately after her. After this, the young man paid his mother a visit at her lodge of cedar boughs and partook of her dish of milk. The mother then told him that she was his real mother and that he had been stolen away from her by the detestable toad woman, who in fact was a witch. But the child, however, was not quite convinced. She said to him then, feign yourself sick when you go home, and when the toad woman asks you what ails you, say that you want to see your cradle, for your cradle was of the finest cloth, and your faithful brother, the dog, bit a piece off to try and detain you which I picked up as I followed you in your track. Now your cradle was made of the finest cloth, white and blue, shining and beautiful. She then showed him the pieces. 
He went home and did as his real mother bid him. Mother, said he to his pretend mother, why am I so different in my looks from the rest of your children? Oh, said she, it was a bright clear blue sky when you were born. That is the reason. The child then feigned his illness as instructed. When the toad woman saw he was ill, she asked what she could do for him. He said nothing would do him good but the sight of his cradle. The toad woman ran immediately and got a cedar cradle, but he said, That is not my cradle. She went and got one of her own children's cradle, for she had four, but he turned his head and said, That is not mine. She then produced the real cradle, and he saw it was the same in substance with the pieces that the other had shown him. And now he was convinced, for he could see the marks of the dog's teeth upon it. The boy soon got well and went out hunting, and in doing so killed a fat bear. He and his dog then stripped a tall pine of all its branches and stuck the carcass on the top, taking the usual sign of his having killed an animal, the tongue. He then told the toad woman where he had left the carcass, saying, It is very far, even to the end of the earth. But overcome by the greed of feeding upon the bear, the old woman answered, Oh, it is not so far. I will run and fetch it. So off she set. As soon as she was gone, the young man and his dog killed the toad woman's children and staked them on each side of the door with a piece of fat in their mouths. And then he went to his real mother and hastened her departure with them. The toad woman spent a long time in finding the bear and much ado in climbing the tree to get down the carcass. As she got near her home, she saw the children looking out, apparently, with the fat in their mouths. And she was angry at them, saying, Why do you stand here doing nothing? But her fury was great indeed when she saw that they were killed and impaled. She ran after the fugitives as fast as she could, and was near overtaking them when the young man said, We are pressed hard, but let this stay her progress, throwing his fire steel behind him which caused the toad woman to slip and fall repeatedly. But still she pursued and gained on them, when he threw behind him his flint, which again stopped her progress for a while, for it made her slip and stumble, so that the old woman's knees were bleeding. But she continued to follow on, and was graining ground when the young man then said, let the snake berries spring up to detain her. And immediately these berries spread like scarlet all over the path for a long distance, which the toad woman could not avoid stooping down to peck and eat. Still she went on and was again advancing on them 
when the young man at last said to the dog, Brother, chew the toad woman up into a million pieces, for since my childhood this woman has plagued me. And so the dog, turning around, seized the toad woman, tore her into a million pieces, while the son and his real mother made their escape. So then, that is all we have time for this week. Join us again in seven days' time for another tale from around the world. Meanwhile, please do spread the podcast among friends and families if you liked what you heard. I'd really appreciate you taking time out to leave a rating and a feedback. It helps us out immediately and takes no longer than a few seconds. Connect with us on Twitter or Instagram by using the handle at stories THT MDE US. That's at stories THT MDE US. Or email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com for any comments, observations, or just to say hello. I'll see you again next week. Until then, goodbye.